Here on Truth Currents, we've been in a series of conversations, uh, Pastor Emilio Lartigue and myself. Emilio is a longtime co-laborer in the gospel. Uh, he has a weekly commentary on theology called Truth Matters. It's a complimentary work to what I do on Truth Currents. And we spend the month of November talking about foundational, important theological issues. Today finishes our conversation as we talk about the doctrine of last things. Stick around, it'll be worth your time. This is Truth Currents. All right, welcome back. This, uh, this We've had, been having a great time uh, looking at some topics. Today we're going to look at the topic of, of last things and join together with uh, Pastor Michael Gabbert, who is uh, here. He has his uh, podcast uh, for, called Truth Currents, where he deals with uh, current subjects from a biblical perspective. And so we're going to look now at this idea, what the Bible talks about when it says it deals with the topic of last things, because the Bible has plenty to say about it. What would you say, Michael, is some of the most significant truths that, that come into play when the Bible talks about last things? Well, one of the things I think that is, is crucial is the idea that, that creation and, and human history have a goal, yeah. a purpose. Um, we've been taught now for generations that uh, we're not only the product of blind random chance, but we're just proceeding blindly and randomly into the future. And the doctrine of last things uh, is the biblical way of helping us understand that God started a story and sin interrupted the, the flow of that story. And so God is going to bring the story back to fruition and we're going to end at precisely the place that he always intended for the story to end. And we're going to see that, that the interruption of sin um, was not allowed to, to sidetrack. I mean, people say, well, you know, is the end going to be different than the beginning? No, if the end is different than what God intended from the beginning, then sin wins. Yeah. You know, the doctrine of last things is the confirmation that, that the author is going to finish the story exactly the way he always intended it to finish. So you've got, you've got divine purpose in creation and history. You've got the sovereignty of God involved mm -hmm. in, in the way history flows to a, a, a precise conclusion. And you've got the accountability of man because we won't live endlessly as things are. There is a moment in time where everyone will stand accountable. And yeah. that, that flows out of this doctrine as well. Yeah, I thought in terms of this question that, that there's God's involvement in the affairs of mankind. He's just not out there mm -hmm. and just throw it in, and, and that there is a big story. You just laid it out. There's a, a beginning and an ending and we're somewhere in there. And, and last things, I mean, people talk about uh, you know, the Bible talks about the last days, and actually the last days began when Christ left. Mm -hmm. So we're in that last chapter, and it might even be in the last portion mm -hmm. of that last chapter. And so, and then there's, there's a reality, and that is because Jesus said, I'm coming back. There's the imminent return of Christ. We have within us as believers the vigilant readiness because we, he could come at any time. He, he is... And so, and from the time he left, within the believers, there's a sense of he's coming back. 
the hero is going to make his return. We don't know when it is, mm -hmm. but and and that has an effect. And there's the Bible talks about a blessed hope. You know, the rapture, the resurrection, that even those that die, they're okay. And and if we lived or whether we die, it doesn't change what's going to happen with what with Christ's return. And there's the reality if you mentioned of a final judgment. There is a, a final accounting mm -hmm. that will occur. You know, nobody gets away with anything. Mm -hmm. And you know, that there's this, you know, the, there is that idea that, well, I got away with it. I'm reading a, a fictional novel now and there's this powerful person and they're so smart because they're getting away with it. I'm going, no, 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 no. Because mm -hmm. we, we read stories and eventually the bad guy gets it. You know, we, we have that sense that he's going to get it. And so in the rebellion, there is a dealing with the enemy, mm -hmm. with the rebellion. Now, looking at these truths coming out of what the Bible says about last things, what sort of problems or consequences arise when these are ignored? What, what, what the Bible says about last things? Well, one of the consequences of ignoring the doctrine of last things is we take away the confidence that while things may not be right today, they're going to be right someday. And when we lose that confidence, the only thing that's left for us is what we see around us, which is a culture of constant outrage. Yeah. We always have to be furious about everything. We're always outraged about whatever the latest horrible thing is because we, we don't have confidence that anything is ever going to be made right. And the, one, of the, one of the great comforts of the doctrine of last things is the idea that, you know, David says in the Psalms, he said, um, he said, I looked at the success of the wicked and my foot almost slipped. I almost lost my faith, he said, but then I perceived their end. He said, I didn't look far enough down the road. And we look around and it looks like, it looks like all the bad people are getting away with everything. Yeah. It looks like they, they get away. Nope, nope. We talk about a, a two-tier justice system in our country. It, it's like the elite never are held accountable for anything. What, so why care? But there's a doctrine that says one of these days what's wrong is going to be made right. That's right. And when we've lost that, when we ignore that, we, we have to throw it, we throw that outrage back on ourselves and we have to live perpetually churned up because there's no confidence that people are going to get what they deserve. They are going to get what they deserve unless they've accepted grace. Absolutely, absolutely. In fact, and people, because they have no hope for tomorrow, they just kind of live now. They're in the present. And there's not a lot in the present to get excited mm -hmm. about. And so you, you have something, to, there's fear in the present. How many people, I mean, how prevalent is this? concept of fear today. We're, we're worried about the next pandemic. We're worried about war. We're worried boom, boom, boom. And despair and men's hearts just fail them or they give up and they go, you know, what does it matter? It doesn't matter. There's no hope. There's no mm -hmm. hope because there's no sense of there is an end. This story is going somewhere. There's right. someone who's Who's dealing with? What are some of the ways in which the Bible, what the Bible says about last things, gets distorted? You know, the Bible has said some things about last, last days, but we know wh whether in religious circles or in cultural sense, it's been distorted. What happens then? Well, one of the things is we've taken the whole concept of of last days, of end times, of 
sort of the destruction of the earth or the destruction of civilization. And we've trivialized it because we've turned it into a really cool Hollywood dystopian movie. You know, we have novels and movies now all the time. We love zombies. We love, you know, end of the world conflicts. And what we've done is we've, you know, we, the word Armageddon has entered into our cultural vocabulary. But for us, Armageddon, it, you know, I, I've heard it, you know, right now there's, there's war in, in Israel, Hamas and Israel. That war is going on. And I don't know how many times I've heard people on the radio or on television refer to Armageddon. Listen, you're not going to have to guess when Armageddon gets here. You're going to know. But we've trivialized it, and we've turned the word Armageddon into just a really big battle. And we've done that with all the end times, and, and so we've, by trivializing it, we've, that's a way to minimize what, what the real significance is. If God's going to judge the earth, let me, let me tell you, if you're a prepper, and you bought a school bus, and you buried that school bus in your backyard as a bunker, uh, that underground school bus is not going to protect you in the last days. And so, but what we've done is by trivializing last days, we still have bought into the illusion that I can be self-sufficient enough that I can survive. Survive for what? Haven't you seen the dystopian novels? You don't want to be the last guy standing. And in religious circles, one of the things that's happened is there's the allegorizing of scriptures. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and so last days... It doesn't days, mean what it, what it means. Exactly. So scripture's been allegorized and last days, well, you know, it's just... And there's no... There's, there's a fuzzy... It'll just... Boom, it ends at the end. And then, and then what the Bible says become mythologized or fantasized. You've mentioned that. Dystopian. You know, what happens if, you know, aliens... And I'm going... Or, you know, the world is running out of this or that. I mean, I've, gone, I've lived long enough to where I know... We, the climate thing has been, we're going to freeze, we're going to burn, we're going to, I've seen it all. <laughs> we're drown. Yeah. yeah. And we're overpopulating, we're not going to have enough food, all of these things. And I'm going, wait a minute, wait. have you not read what God has already written down in the book? And he explains it very methodically mm -hmm. that this is how it's going to end. You know, you're not going to save the planet just by tossing things in the recycle bin. God, in fact, the Bible is very clear. Actually, it's all going to burn up. I mean, that's the truth of it. And he's going to build a new heaven and a new right, earth. Right. You know? And then the Bible also talks about the fact there are those scoffers will arise in the last days. Well, that's it. Second Peter chapter 3, that's what you're talking about. And the scoffers, you know, what, what, what the Bible says the scoffers say is things are the way they've always been. Yeah. You know, it, it, things have always been just the way they are, and they're always going to be just like this. You know, God's not relevant to the picture. He hadn't made an appearance yet. What you know, and and the Bible says, "Don't be fooled by that," because a day for God is like a thousand years for us. In other words, God's timing is not based on our calendars. Not only that, but you remember in that same passage, it says, "But they're willfully ignorant." God intervened back earlier with a flood, mm -hmm. and one day he's going to intervene with fire. There's the, well, and if you want to talk about not learning the lesson, when you read, for example, when you read the rebellion in the book of Revelation that, that God um, shuts down, 
Go back all the way to, to the last chapters of the opening chapters of Genesis that we've already talked about. The Tower of Babel is a perfect picture of what we're going to see in the last days just on a larger scale. We're sufficient. We're in control. We're going to make the world the way we want it to be. And we're going to build something so that we stand toe-to-toe and we look eye-to-eye to God himself. And God said, uh, let me see what they're up to. I mean, God's not even, he's not even bothered by it. No. And, and, and the last days, you know, Armageddon, for example, is the most overrated battle in human history. Yeah. Because it's the assembly of all the armies of the earth, and it's over by the word of, of the mouth of, of, of the one who comes on the white horse. I mean, he speaks it. I mean, God, God's not toppled off of his throne by the arrogance of mankind. And in fact, the fictionalizations that you mentioned earlier, they can't even match what the Bible is very clear in describing very systematically this period of seven years where God is going to just exercise his intervention mm-hmm. in judging the world, its, its, its environment, everything, and the government of this rebellious one who's coming. And uh, so this brings me to the next question, that, uh, that uh, there are some problems and consequences that arise when the truths about last days are distorted, mm-hmm. you know? And one of the first things I thought of was the, this acceptance of false saviors, false Christ. Jesus said that, be careful, don't accept these false Christ, with one being the final one. Mm-hmm. But there's others. Uh, what are some other... Well, one one is, um, and this is this is really pretty common within church circles. Um, a lot of people, a lot of theologians, will argue that um, that the Book of Revelation, for example, they'll say it's not actual narrative history. It's we know it's apocalyptic literature, but they'll say it's really just symbol. Okay, all right. Here's here's my answer to that. I'll concede the point. But I, I, I need you to understand what biblical symbol does. Biblical symbol is always something that points to something greater. Yeah. So if Revelation is not actual historical events unfolding, if it's symbol, it's symbol for something even more significant than what is recorded. Or worse. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, so if you if you try and ease the storyline, if you try and water it down by saying, "Well, it's just symbol," what you've done is you've just backed yourself, you've painted yourself into a, a worse corner. Because as bad as it is as literal history, it's got to be worse if it's symbolic of something else that's going to happen. I mean, if you just do the math on the the amount of casualties. Yeah, right. I mean, just the, just do the numbers. That's bad enough. And uh, then, of course, another another thing that comes out is, and this happens as well, and that is date setting or even cults, mm-hmm. you know. And and we're warned against this. We're warned against this. And uh, and of course, I, I thought of also the 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 loss of purpose, because you know, again, in the story of everything, there is a last sense. But if there isn't, then you're just well, and it bothers me in, in Christian circles in particular when I see people almost licking their lips. You know, I mean, there's a war in, in Israel right now, and I see, I see people are like, this is it, this is it. And I'm like, oh, that is not, we are not rooting for these things. They are necessary and they will unfold. 
but I am perfectly content to leave those things in the hands of God. Yeah. Now, I'm, am I anxious for Jesus to come back for his people? Uh, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm all about that. But this almost voyeuristic attitude of, I want a front row seat to watch Armageddon. I'm, I'm bothered by that a little bit. Yeah. This isn't IMAX. No. Yeah, you know, this no. isn't a ticket you buy. In fact, if, if anything, this is why the, the sense of the imminent return of Christ presses on the believer. Because as we see these, well, the Bible, you know, it says that there, Peter, which says, knowing these things. What, what kind of people should you be? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, what, what, you know, our job, our mission has not changed. And so if, if the clock is running and we're getting near the end, then we need to be diligent. We're on the two minute warning. Well, what, what happens when, what happens when there is, um, a hurricane coming? You get the plywood and you cover the windows and you load up the car and you, I mean, you make preparations and you do it in a timely fashion because you know something's coming. The last days, we're to be about the, the work of, of Christ in, in touching the lives of other people, in telling people the truth, in communicating the gospel, because there is a hurricane coming and we only have so much time to get on with the things that we're here to do before that happens. Yeah, because there's something uh, at the end of all that, you know, that we have to be... Uh, what, well, now, what the Bible says about last things is, is rejected. And, it, and if it's rejected, what sort of results come out of that? Well, if you reject what the Bible teaches about last things, you leave yourself faced with endless existence of earth and mankind. And so at that point, the climate crisis does become overwhelming because even if you say the the earth is going to be destroyed in a thousand years or 10,000 years or half a million years, um, that's an existential crisis. And it's because people don't have confidence or don't believe in God that they are living in this fear of this impending doom. But see, if you don't have, if you don't have this, this confidence, this, this trust that, that God is in control, um, you're right to feel that way. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's a hard way to live. Yeah. I, I remember, in fact, you brought that up and I was thinking, I remember my daughter, she was about 10 years old. She came home and just almost in tears because her teacher was talking about cosmology and said that the sun was going to burn up in 10 billion years. <laughs> As if that was going to, but it had gotten her so worked up, she was just like this. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I brought her outside and I just tried to calm her and I said, honey, God's in control. You know, we, there's nothing we need to fear. Whatever happens, He is in control all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. And what a difference the injection of that truth makes for perspective, for life. Mm-hmm. You're not like this. In fact, men's hearts fail them for fear. Instead, we're confident. We have a blessed hope. We have, you know, if we've all had family members who die, and, and that's a tragedy. But the fact is, it's only for us that it's a tragedy. Because if they know the Lord, they're fine. Right. They're okay. And the same is true. And But without that, 
there, you have to propose naturalistic solutions. And so there's contemporary issues become weighty and down. And you look at everything under the sun for hope. Mm. And, and you end up with a fatalism, a despair, and just heavy underneath it. You've always got a mask. You've got a bunker. You've got something to deal with this reality that you perceive. And, and versus the believer, we, you know, if I live... Or if I die, right. I, I live or die in Christ. And then, what sort of problems and cons- or consequences arise when what the Bible teaches us about these last things are just rejected completely? Well, it it guarantees a lack of spiritual preparation for one thing, mm-hmm. uh, because if there's no final exam, human nature says there's no reason for me to study. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's, that's one thing, but it also makes us overvalue human autonomy. And that's where we can go back to the Tower of Babel as an early example of of what we see unfold in the last days. This idea that we don't need to be humble. We don't need to be circumspect. We are the shapers of reality. We are the, the movers of worlds. I'm the captain of my own soul. Um, you know, we have this idea that ambitious and powerful men um, shape history by their actions. But a biblical perspective says, yeah, uh, Cyrus is going to defeat the Babylonian Empire and he's going to rule the Persian Empire and God is going to use him to bring his people back to Jerusalem. And God raises up nations and he drops them down and he, and he, and he moves the pieces about because he's sovereign in unfolding his purposes. There's a tremendous comfort in not having to carry the responsibility for the direction of the entire earth as though it's on my shoulders. Somebody's in charge, but running the earth is above my pay grade. Absolutely, absolutely. And people, you mentioned it, if you reject the con, what God has clearly said in his scriptures concerning last things, you will be caught by surprise. Yeah. Jesus gave several examples. The virgins. You know, don't be that person that gets caught off guard, mm. caught by surprise, and, and you're not ready for Christ's return. In fact, I was mentioning in, in one of the Truth Matters, you know, uh, I remember taking a journalism class, and in, they have typefaces. And you know, when the World War II was over, you know, Japan mm-hmm. loses. Well, and, and it was called, and the, the name of the typeface was Last Day's Typeface. <laughs> because they had this sense that this is a this is a story that's bigger than any other story, and there is a story. Coming. And only certain things are are worth you got, that it, font. Exactly, exactly. Right, right. You got to have that font. And and one day, he's he's told us he's not. It's not going to be a secret thing. All eyes will see him. He's actually coming back. It's like uh, I remember this movie Robin Hood with Errol Flynn, and, and the king had gone off. And the kingdom was in chaos because there, and Robin Hood has got his own little thing going on. But what they didn't realize is they captured these two noblemen, these noblemen. They don't know one of them is the King Richard. And, and, and so they, they, uh, they said, well, why, why is this going on, the kingdom like this? And he said, well, our king is gone and, you know, all this is happening. And so he takes off his robe and there's the king and they all bowed before the king. Mm-hmm. And one day our hero, our savior, is coming back, mm-hmm. and he is the winner. 
And, and, and the Bible is very clear about that. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess he is who he said he was to the glory of God. And to ignore that, you will be caught off guard. You will be deceived. There's a deceiver. There's a deception of blindness that's going on today and will go on till the end. But you don't have to be that way. You can know what the Bible says. And the difference of knowing the end of the story. Uh, recently, my a big game was going on, and my son wasn't able to watch it, so he's taping. He said, don't anybody tell me. Don't anybody tell me. But you know what? I also remember another time when I already knew how it ended. So even as I was watching this game, didn't matter how. There's no stress. No, the stress was gone because I knew already how the game ended. Right, right. And it was like, oh, watch this. This is going to be good. This is going to be <laughs> And that's the difference right. this makes to know that the Lord is coming back. He's going to resolve everything. Mm -hmm. He's going to make it right. And the thing that he buried in our hearts, the heaven, the reality of, 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 of that is already in us. And one day it will be realized. And uh, we're going to be freed from the shackles, the weight of everything we've talked about. Yeah. And, you know, God was so gracious because he, he didn't give us enough information that we would get caught up in the details. But he did give us enough information to know that he wins. Yeah. And that's all we really need. And then he said, just trust me. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah, that's trust true. me. And that's what it breaks down to. We should put our trust in the living God who has already told us, live or die, we live or die in Christ. He has left, but he is returning, and he will make all things new, and we give thanks to him that he has told us these truths, the truth that is eternal and forever, and that truth matters. <laughs>